0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Outside the Walls. My name is John White. I'm Casey McDonald. And today we have Philip Baird with us. Philip is the campus minister for the Cloverdale Church of Christ. He's been there for the last two and a half years now, and he's working on a master in arts and Christian ministry Mm -hmm. uh, at the Harding School of Theology, right? That's right. Yep. Well, it's good to be here. Yeah, welcome. 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 So, uh, yeah, we're excited to have Philip on the show today. And, Philip, you have a lot of experience with the college age group. That's right. Yeah. Um, Tell us a little bit about how, how, how what's the general feeling on campus throughout this whole pandemic? Kind of how has this impacted everybody on campus just in a general way?
1: Yeah. uh, So, one of the great things about college students is uh, the younger you are, you have that optimism and idealism, right? And so that makes you super adaptable, which mm-hmm. is which is a blessing in situations like this, right? So, uh, you know, it's kind of a three stage for the freshmen; like they don't know anything different, and so they're just kind of rolling with the punches. Uh, the sophomores and juniors they they wish it was different, but they're they're willing to kind of work with it. I think it's been hardest on the seniors for sure, um, mm-hmm. watching, you know, these last uh, fly by. But uh, in general, I think there's a lot of optimism that you know we're we're seeing the end hopefully around the corner, and uh, it hasn't. They've been able to adapt and, and do a lot of good things despite all the restrictions. So yeah, yeah, I I
0: felt bad for the seniors because it mm-hmm. was like. <laughs> Pandemic hit and everything just vanished, dried yeah. up. All the mm-hmm. activities, everything that they enjoy, club mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, yeah, that that yeah. that was crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I guess you were doing campus ministry even before
2: pandemic. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. so how is how is your uh, role changed, or how have you seen your ministry change?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so for for my role, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, I do a lot of. Um, outreach and recruiting, but also uh, coordinate the Bible classes and try to do a lot of events to connect students with our uh, resident members. Uh, and with the pandemic, um, no Bible classes, right? So trying to figure out what does that look like with without having Bible classes on Sunday mornings, uh, all the big events to try and connect were out the window. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, I saw my role um, and kind of my, my theology ministry have to shift towards uh, One on one, right? Did a lot of uh, time in the fall, just you know, on my knees praying for each student um, by name, trying to kind of hand over them to God's hands, and and saying, you know, put me where I need to be. And uh, it was amazing, you know, throughout the fall semester, uh, finding myself in the right place at the right time, you know, uh, finding myself with the right students who are. Going through, you know, uh, a rough time, lost a loved one, uh, parents lost a job. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, life life keeps going even while students are here for these four years, and and uh, back home, and for them, they go through a lot through a lot of different things. And so, uh, God was able to to kind of use me. I feel like uh, to uh, step in step in and walk alongside just individuals specifically, yeah. um, rather than having to be, you know coordinating these big events with you know 200 students or anything like that it was a lot more one-on-one time and in many ways that was a lot more meaningful throughout Mm -hmm. the fall for sure yeah
2: Yeah. you that reminds me a lot of a book that i read one time called the crucifixion of ministry i don't know if you've Mm -hmm. ever heard of it but yeah, the thesis of it is just kind of get out of the way and let god do his work kind of thing yeah it's it's amazing that it kind of takes a pandemic for us to kind of do that yeah
0: yeah, I was uh, talking to um, my brother-in-law just graduated recently and, and his girlfriend, and I just kind of said, you know, what what's the uh, the general vibe of the freshmen coming in? And this was, you know, last fall, mm-hmm. when a lot of those, they were just now starting. Um, and uh, her response, I felt like was really interesting. And I wondered what you thought about this, but she said the, the general feeling is just this sense of loneliness, of yeah. isolation, you yeah. know, that... Normally we, you, you get to campus, especially at Harding, like any college campus, you're probably doing this, but especially at Harding, you know, they're getting club stuff rolling, they're doing mixers, they're meeting people, mm-hmm. like all of their classes are in person, they're getting to meet people there. Mm-hmm. And, and she just said, you know, th- this has been nothing but lonely for them because they just go, if they go to class, if they're not online, you know, they're, they're going there, they're going back to their dorm, they're going there, they're going back to their dorm, yeah. or, they're, or they're in quarantine. They get stuck yeah. in quarantine for two weeks mm-hmm. by themselves all alone. Um, did you notice any kind of loneliness among the students oh, yeah, or how that worked? Oh,
1: yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, they, they'll put on a brave face, you know, they'll, they'll go to those mixers and stuff because Harding did try to try their best to, you know, do mixers and do some club stuff. Uh, a lot of it kind of had to shift over into the spring. But, you know, they'd show up and they'd put on brave faces and, and you know, kind of roll with the punches. But um, as far as like our recruiting of freshmen at, in churches, it's almost non-existent. I mean, uh, you know, usually having a class of about 30, I have a class of about 11, you mm. know. Um, and, and a lot of the freshmen that I've talked to uh, don't know anyone outside of their suite. That's that's the big thing is, like, my roommate, mm. my suite mates, we do everything together because those are the people that I know. And those are the only people, I, or, you know, uh, I'm from College Station and these other people are from College Station. So, mm-hmm. like, those are the only people I'm spending time with because I know them. Uh, and it's really hard to, to make any new connections. So, uh, you know, you, you think about those ones who ended up in, you know, they went popcorn or something like that, right? Those kind of situations. Yeah. And, and they end up with mates or roommates that maybe they just don't vibe with, or maybe it's not a healthy situation. Um, like the mates are going through something and, and it's affecting their living situation. But that's who you know. And so uh, that's that's mm. kind of, you, you. I think a lot of freshmen are, are kind of putting up with a lot more than you normally would because- their community is so shrunk down um, for sure.
2: Mm, yeah. So being in a community where we have a Christian university, I'm interested to know your thoughts <coughs> on how campus ministry might look uh, for a church that might be planted in a city where they have a state university. Um, and what are your observations on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, I, did, I did a summer uh, with a campus ministry in Texas, actually, uh, when I was an undergrad, um, over at SFA, Stephen F. Austin University. And kind of, you know, obviously it's the summertime, so it's not quite, you know, f- in full full form uh, there in at, at the state campus. But uh, in many ways, uh, campus ministries on state schools provide like a refuge, right? Mm-hmm. The idea is you're out there, you're in the world, you're trying to be a light, but every now and then you need, you know, to get back to the well. You need to mm-hmm. to drink the water. You need to be around the people who will love you. Um, and will encourage you, and you can and you can feed, um, and then go back out, yeah. right? Um, and in, in some in a lot of ways, it is. It's it's a it's a refuge. It's a safe spot. Um, almost in a to a degree, like a youth group feel. Like these are my people. You know, I, like I'm gonna they're gonna provide activities where I can be mm-hmm. around other mm-hmm. believers mm-hmm. and spend time doing that. Uh, with a Christian university, it's it's a different feel, a hundred percent. You know. Uh, if 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 we as churches are trying to put on activities and and events, like we're competing with Harding University, and there's just mm-hmm. no earthly way, mm-hmm. <laughs> like anything that Westside or Cloverdale or College or Downtown is going to put on that's going to, mm-hmm. you know, compare to you know All Club or Spring Sing or you know anything mm-hmm. that's going on, on campus, and so uh, you have to kind of approach the ministry in a different way, uh, at a Christian yeah. university for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah, I, I mean historically. Our local churches you know we've, we've struggled with that because we don't know what to do with like you said an entirely christian school that seems to be taking care of all of those spiritual right. needs and yet there's still a need for for church mm-hmm. there's still a need to connect with a church um so you know my, my curiosity is how can we as churches what what kind of role can we fill considering they get so much from the university mm-hmm. in terms of spiritual growth and life and community, mm-hmm. um, what are what are some kind of things that we can do to fill a spot that maybe is, is left vacant or open?
1: Absolutely. Uh, so um, usually when, when I when I talk about campus ministry, the two stories from from scripture that I like to point out are um, the story of King Rehoboam in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. uh, right after Solomon dies and, and and Rehoboam takes takes the throne. Um, you know he's presented with these problems in the kingdom, right? Uh, the workers say you're working us too hard and such, and and he gets two pieces of advice, right? One, he goes to his his dad's uh, friends and the and the wise men kind of give him one piece of advice, mm-hmm. and then he goes to his friends, like the young the young guys, right? Mm-hmm. And get and All he right. gets advice from them, right? Right? Yeah. And so uh, ultimately he ends up going with the advice from his friends, mm-hmm. right? And things don't go so well, right? <laughs> When, when, you, when you think about Harding and we think about Christian camp, the Christian campus, um, they they're getting what 15 hours a week with an older presence with a teacher in the room, right? But the rest of the week on campus is mostly spent with their peers. So they are they're getting encouragement, they're getting community, they're getting spiritual growth through devotionals and such mm-hmm. or in chapel. but they don't interact a lot with older mature Christians. And in that way, you know, a lot of the advice that they're getting when they're going through crisis or when they're going through struggles are from their peers, yes. which isn't necessarily, as Scripture shows us, isn't necessarily the best advice, right? right? And so there's definitely a role for older, mature Christians um, in these students' lives. And and that's where the church steps in, right? Mm. Uh, being in a community, that's one of the reasons that God gave us the church, right, is being in community with a family of intergenerational Christians who can... Um who can give better better advice, who can uh, be a better example of how is it that we go through life that we walk through life uh, in in our Christian faith? Uh, how do I parent well, you know, mm-hmm. going forward? How do I center my r- my relationship, my marriage on on Christ? How do I do finances? How do I balance work and life and raising kids and tithing and uh, serving, you know uh, mm-hmm. going forward? you know these these guys, They may not have been thinking about it when they were in youth group, right? But by the time they're in college, they see it. It's right around the corner, you know, Mm -hmm. especially by the time they get to junior, senior year, they're starting to think, you know, all right, I've got a serious girlfriend. You know, we're thinking about getting married. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and they they need the church there for that reason. Um, The other story that I like to to point out is the story of uh, Apollos with Priscilla and Aquila. You know, here's a young man who, has gotten kind of a gist, right, uh, of the gospel, yeah. and, and he's got a heart for service, and he's got a lot of passion and a lot of energy, uh, and he's going out and he's doing what he can, right, with the tools that he's been given. And uh, Priscilla and Aquila hear him, and they realize that he, he doesn't quite understand the full picture, right, and so he needs some more education. Well, Harding, you know, in a lot of ways, steps in and gives that fuller education, but that's also the church's job. Uh, the, the, the church has a, has a responsibility to take these young people and give them the training they need and then send them out, right? Mm-hmm. Apollos, you know, Priscilla and Aquila train him and then they send him. Mm-hmm. And so we have this incredible mission field that the world is coming to our doorstep, right? These are these are the this is the lifeblood of the church nationwide, you know, even internationally, mm-hmm. right here in in our backyard. And so as a church, we have a, a responsibility to make sure that we are taking these young men and women who have passion and who have energy and who want to do something for the kingdom and making sure that they understand uh what they need to do next, right what, mm-hmm. what what Where are the gaps in their in their knowledge? Um, Harding in many ways is going to fill them with uh, textual and uh, theological training absolutely. Mm-hmm. but what about like ecclesiological tra- training right? What about the life of the church? you mm-hmm. know what about the people who um, usher, you know, people to their seats on Sunday morning, who count the money behind the scenes, who flip Mm -hmm. the slides during worship, who teach Bible classes for Mm three-year-olds, who organize, you know, (laughs) the moving of the widow's, you know, stuff into the nursing home, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Like those are all integral parts of of our family and community life that these people, you know, these students in a lot of ways haven't been asked to step up and start doing yet. Hmm. And so that's that's in a lot of ways a role for the church is to teach them how do you become part of the church because when you when you graduate Harding and you're used to, you know, churches of 400 500 you're you're used to you know chapel with thousands of people in there worshiping and then you get a job in middle of nowhere, Kansas, no offense, Kansas, um, you know, <laughs> every single right, every person from Kansas is like, hey, hey I'm not listening to this that? anymore. <laughs> but, you know, you end up you end up in in these churches that are, you know, a hundred people, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, and, and suddenly you're being tapped on the shoulder. Hey, can you lead singing this okay. way? Hey, can you lead prayer? Hey, we need someone to teach Bible class. And you've never been asked to do that this whole time because you're in a church that's so full of mature Christians, they've yeah. been doing it instead, and you've just been able to kind of ride along behind. Mm. Suddenly, you know, you're not equipped. And and that's, we're robbing the rest of the churches of that if we're not training these young people during the mm. most, you know, important times of their life when they're, they've they got all this passion energy.
0: Mm. Yeah. So so what, you know, what would be your strategy in, in approaching that? Because traditionally, you know, people don't like, uh, well, I say don't like, People struggle with connecting with anyone who's different from them, whether that's by gender or nationality or age, especially in the church. We, mm-hmm. we talk about sort of this multi-generational type ministry and connecting with people, but we, it's not any easy. church anywhere struggles with it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And especially
0: when you feel like all of these things that you, like you said, a, a, a normal uh, college campus, that's not a, a Christian university, mm-hmm that they feel this sense of, I need a spiritual you know, thing. I need a well to come back to, like you said. Um, but here they're kind of getting that. So it makes the job even harder to try to connect them mm-hmm. with people who are um, of a different generation and do have all of those things to share with them. And so it's like, how do, how do we do that as churches? Like what are some effective ways to really get college kids to see A, I need that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but B, it's it's so valuable for me. Like it's uh, I I want it. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: absolutely. And and I, I'll just point out as well. Uh, one of the issues is uh, Harding's been here for a long time, and churches have churches here in this area have struggled with that for for a eno- like long enough. That I've run into quite a few people who have kind of got these burns, right? Mm. They, they've reached out, they've tried to make relationships. You guys understand, right? They've tried to make relationships, and the student just continuously didn't show up, you know, over and over and over. Because you're you're dealing with 19 year olds, you know, they're they're not they're not at those their most, the most mature age yet. And um, what what I think is important to know is like at, at any age, people want to be wanted, right? Mm. And that and that's just a, the fundamental truth. And and especially when when, you are, when you're a young person who's in a new place among new people trying to figure out how you're going to fit in, how you're going to connect, mm-hmm. um, you want to be wanted. Yeah. And so one of the biggest things is that uh, as, as Christians and as, as the church family here, we have to let them know that we do want them, right? We, we have to keep our doors open. We have to continuously give out invitations. And you're right, because they're getting so much on campus, they may not see the value of that right away. Mm. Um, and a lot of times when you talk to them, they, they want to be connected. They really do. Uh, they, they want to be connected. But then there's that Tuesday night, you know, hey, you want to get dinner tonight? But then they've got like three other invitations from their other friends, yeah. you know, to go do, you know, volleyball or go mm-hmm. to Little Rock or, you know, who, know, who knows what. Um, and you're you're asking them to make the mature decision, right? Like, come come spend time so I can you know feed into you, right? And they're not going to see it that way every time. Um, and and so there's a certain amount of patience and there's a certain amount of um, sacrifice on our part, right? Uh, one of the things that um, you know, kind of a, a wake up call that I've I've given a, a few of our our mentors over at Cloverdale is you know we we follow we follow a man who went to the cross, who who came down and. Gave his invitation to so many people, who rejected him, and and in the end, you know, ended up suffering and dying. And you're upset because someone didn't show up for dinner, you know. And 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 I know those feelings are real, but but we have to recognize that we are dealing with with almost baby Christians, you know, if not baby Christians, then toddler Christians, right? Yeah. Uh, in in a lot of the ways, in a lot of ways, and so they're not going to know what's good for them. They're going to mm. want the candy. They're not going to want the the meat. They're not yeah. going to want their veggies, you know. Necessarily. Yeah. And so we, but we have to keep asking them, mm-hmm. you know, and keep inviting them to, ha- to take it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's so- not
0: a slight on the, on the, students at all, because it's right. exact. I mean, it's where it, we were, it's where we, we still are sometimes yeah, where we, we don't even acknowledge sometimes that we need something absolutely. more than where we yeah. are. You know, you, yeah. maybe you hit your thirties and you're like, I've got a family. I know what's going on in the <laughs> world, but you know, it absolutely. doesn't matter. Like you, yeah. no matter where you are, you think, you know, more, but you really need a lot more than you, than you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I, I hear you saying the sense of be resilient,
1: be resilient. That's a great way to put it. Absolutely. Be resilient. Um, have, have you know, was it Philippians says is have this mind that is yours in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he, he talks about putting the needs of others before yourself, yeah. right? And so, yeah, I have a need to be wanted as well. And it hurts when those students don't seem to want me, mm. right? I've been, you know, as a campus minister, I've been burned. Absolutely. Uh, but looking to the interest of others before yourself, you know that what you have and what the church has is good for them. So you have to continuously try to try to give it to them. Yeah. For
2: sure. Yeah. So in a community where there is a Christian university like mm-hmm. Searcy, uh that I guess plays a part in why there are so many churches. I mean, there's yeah. a, you know, there's a church on every corner for these students to choose from. How can multiple churches effectively minister on a single college campus?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Absolutely. Because well, we have a bunch. Yeah.
2: There's yeah. there's
0: one or two in Cersei. A lot of
2: times I feel like there's this there's this mentality of almost competition with right, each other. Right. And uh and I don't think that's a healthy
1: absolutely. attitude. Mm, um, absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's one of the things that I think I think an, an important an important foundation that we have to get through our heads is. Uh, if you look at enrollment numbers, and I know, and I know Harding has has kind of struggled to to get enrollment. Some, I don't think that's a secret, you know. Uh, but even with the numbers that they have, there are more there are more college students than our churches know what to do with. Mm-hmm. Like, if every single student on that on that campus decided to go to church, we'd be overwhelmed. We we wouldn't mm-hmm. have space for them. Um, That's crazy to think about. Yeah, crazy to think about. Absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, it almost it almost kind of helps us that they they kind of rotate through their, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, this person is saying, okay, I, I need it this week, but the next week they're not feeling it. But someone else is going to feel it that week, you know, mm-hmm. so we kind of rotate some, uh, which is kind of helpful to a certain degree. But, <laughs> but I, I do think it's important as churches to recognize that we can't handle all of them. No one church is going to have all of those students mm-hmm. at all. And so... Um, know, knowing that and knowing the, the di- diverse backgrounds these students are coming from, some of these students aren't going to agree or believe everything that you believe. And some of these students aren't going to be comfortable and, and uh, thrilled by the way you do church, right? Because that's not their background. Uh, and so recognizing that having multiple churches throughout throughout Searcy is, is actually a blessing because we're able to um, engage with different students in different ways, and that way, not just one portion of the population is being served, right? Uh, think about, you know, these, you know, kids who would go to downtown, kids who would go to highway, kids who would go to college. If only college existed, those kids who would normally go to highway, go to Cloverdale, go to Westside, aren't being served, and they would just go four years without church. Mm. Well, what does that do for your faith?
0: Yeah.
1: Right what what how, how strong of a Christian are you going to be after four years if you haven't had a church to to engage with, or if the church that you're trying to engage with isn't meeting your needs or mm-hmm. isn't isn't meeting you mm-hmm. on an intellectual, theological level that that you're hoping for? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I think that's a big part of it is is recognizing that um that we all we all share a responsibility here. and mm-hmm. and in many ways, we complement each other. Uh, I, I have had multiple conversations with students who, you know, try to get plugged into Cloverdale, try to get plugged into Cloverdale, and they, it's just not for them. Uh, they, they It's a struggle to get them out of their beds on Sunday mornings and to church. Uh, and I sit down and talk with them, and they're like, well, there's this aspect I'm, I'm not a big fan of, or it just doesn't quite feel right. I'm like, okay, fine. Have you tried this place? Have you tried this mm. other place? It sounds like maybe, you know, maybe you want to go to downtown. It sounds like maybe you want to go to Westside. And I've I've recommended students there, and then where I think that the dream and the vision is for our churches here, is to be in enough community together and in engaged in this ministry and mission together, that when I recommend someone to Westside, I can reach out to you two,
0: and mm-hmm. say, hey,
1: this student is supposed to be there on Sunday. Can you make sure that they're there? Uh, and and so we there's a sense of accountability within our church family. Um, Real quick, and and I know I'm talking a lot, but uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's why. <laughs> uh, I guess that's true. Uh, one of the, one of the things that I, I was saying from the pulpit a couple months ago is when when parents come and, and drop off their kids, there's inevitably this sense of nervousness on you know mom and dad's mm-hmm. part. You know, you're dropping your kids off for the first time. They, are they going to know how to eat? Are they going to bathe? Are they going to be able to clothe themselves while I'm while they're gone? You know, uh, every single uh, freshman guy just got offended. Like, exactly, I okay, bathed two days ago. I don't That's know. right. <laughs> but uh, you know, mom and dad are, are nervous, and and what if something goes wrong? What if you know they get hurt? You know, I'm, I'm leaving them there all by themselves. Well, they're not leaving them there by themselves, right? And we as a as a church, and 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 I'm when I say the church, I'm talking globally now. Mm-hmm. We have to have a sense of ownership of, of our kids
0: yeah.
1: because these kids that are coming from California, from Kentucky, from Michigan to Harding university are our kids as well, right? They're not, they're not tho- those churches kids. Mm. There are kids. Hmm. Yeah. And we have to have a sense of ownership in that and a sense of, of love and responsibility towards those children, uh, in, in faith and help grow the church as a whole. And so, um, we can't do that if we're feeling like we're in competition, yeah. right? We yeah. we all have to take a part in the responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Campus ministry,
2: uh, and it seems like it's not very prevalent uh, amongst churches, at least at least in our community, which is ironic because, you know, we have a ton of churches here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can only, you know, think of a couple of churches that even have a dedicated person to mm-hmm. campus ministry. And so I was curious if you could kind of explain how how you defend the need for having a, a dedicated person, uh, you know, on staff that is – yeah, for
0: ministry. besides the fact that you already pointed out, if all the students showed up, suddenly we right. yeah. it suddenly yeah. Right, that's be a strong, strong argument. argument. Yeah. Yeah, there's <laughs> a ton of them, so why would yeah, you not? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, and you know, different <laughs> churches are going to have different experiences. Um, you know, if by some miracle every student, you know, next Sunday decide to show up, yeah, we we want to be ready for that, mm-hmm. right? If, if students suddenly decide they all want to flood into, you know, Little Foothills Auditorium, like you know, Foothills has an incredible campus ministry going on right now. It's kind of under the radar, but they're doing an awesome job with their college kids, but they're still not quite ready for an influx of, you know, every student to Mm. to show up all of a sudden. Um, And so uh, one one of the things that we talked about with uh, the elders when I was looking at coming into my role is we were, we were getting about 150 students or so on on a Sunday morning. Um, You know, that's a you know, uh, during worship service, you kind of look and you have your, your sections right in the auditorium. And there's usually the the college section where they're all sitting together with their friends and everything. It's like a third of our congregation almost is college students, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and yet, you know, uh, in many ways they're not connected. They're not engaged with, with what's going on. The elders don't necessarily know their names because there's 150 of them and they move as one giant mob, you know? (laughs) And so, uh, I used to kind of joke that I was the the border collie for Christ, right? Like, they're the herd, and my job was <laughs> to kind of run around the edges and make sure that nobody <laughs> runs off too much. Well, more recently, I've kind of seen myself as the uh, – as kind of the person who breaks up the herd. Like, I got to get into the middle of them mm-hmm. and send them out mm-hmm. so that they can connect with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to take a designated person to do that. No one's going to naturally do that.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, it's going to take someone who is intentional about tracking down these kids and the craziness of their schedules between club stuff and classes mm-hmm. and going home on weekends and, you know, friends to, to Little Rock and all that sort of thing. Uh, it, it takes kind of a, a hunting mentality. Mm-hmm right, to, to go down and find these kids and, and bring them in to, mm. to the church community. And, and it's going to take somebody specific to
0: do that, mm. yeah. for sure. And that's so helpful because I know that a sentiment that has been felt before by probably every church here is the sentiment of we struggle with college-age students because of this sort of transience that yeah. they just naturally have, where they, they are floating around and they're like, well, A, even if they did stay here in one church, all they're only here for four years mm-hmm. and so there's this struggle that every church has kind of gone through about how do we how do we engage them without feeling the sense of like well they're going to be gone they're going to be soon gone as we figure well, it, it out point, they're be, right? yeah, exactly <laughs> so it's yeah. like realizing we're not just training them for to connect them for four years here and see what they can do mm-hmm. within our churches but like you said earlier, it's that sending out. They're going it's to go out, out and we want them mm-hmm. to be absolutely faithful Christians first, you know, mm-hmm. and, and active members of a church that support them wherever they end up uh, so that they don't go from this like, I've got a wealth of opportunities to grow my faith to mm-hmm. now I have to choose to go to that. Absolutely. I have to go get it.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, and and you know, for every senior that you send out, there's a freshman that's coming in. You know, fresh, yeah. you know, freshly shaved baby face little guy coming in who doesn't know. You know, you know, maybe his voice has changed, maybe it hasn't. You know, and uh, he he doesn't know his his shape notes. You know, he can't lead singing, but but that's where that's where we we get engaged. That's that's where we we start. You know, walking alongside him, uh, and and just a dream uh, about where our churches could be. You know. We, 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 we talk about sending almost as a, as a passive action, right? We, they leave us and we're still sitting here as if we mm. suddenly don't have any connection or relationship with them anymore mm. because it was just four years, mm. right? right? Well, why was it just four years? Why isn't it five, 10, 15, the rest of your lives with these with these students? If, if you have, are discipling them, if you are mentoring them, if you have been teaching them, why, why aren't you engaged with them when they're starting to have kids? Mm-hmm. If, if we are really concerned about the the fallout of our young people from church right now, you know, when, when you look at the numbers, it's just mm-hmm. terrifying um, where where our church is headed as far as young people dropping away from the faith constantly. Um, there There's definitely a, a sense of responsibility to so youth ministers to prepare kids mm-hmm. better. But why aren't we going out and finding those, those people who are leaving and making sure that they stay engaged? Uh, when, when they go to middle of nowhere, Kansas, no offense, mm-hmm. Kansas again. Uh, you got to pick a different state. When, when they the go Kansas. to middle of nowhere, Nevada, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, why, why aren't we using our connections? I mean, this is Harding University, right? This is Circe. We've got people from all over the place here. We have connections all over the world here. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we connecting them with churches wherever they're going? Yeah. And now part of the problem is that we don't have a relationship with them before they leave, right? Yeah. But if we were to engage them now, create a relationship with them for four years, and when they say, hey, I just got a job in Chicago, we celebrate with them. We we you know, praise God for that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We help prepare them for what it's going to look like going to Chicago. And mm-hmm. one of the things that that needs to look like is, hey, here's a list of churches. like." Why don't you get engaged? I know someone at this church. Why don't you go by and get dinner with them? You know, they'd love to meet you because those churches are starving for young people. Yeah. They're so excited when young people show up on their door, on their doorstep, right, on a Sunday mm-hmm. morning. And so part of our job is helping create those connections and those relationships.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So because uh, t- to me, when you're losing students, especially if you, if you talk about in the course of someone's life, let's say they've grown up in the church uh, they've been a part of an active youth group. You know, they've had a good experience with church. Where they're probably going to drop faith is in that transition period right. between that senior year of high school and the freshman year of mm-hmm. university. And we have a responsibility, not only as churches receiving freshmen, to try to keep that from happening, mm-hmm. to try to engage them and connect with them. But I like what you're saying about once they're done here, yeah, our responsibility has not ended. It would exactly. be of great benefit to the church at large to say, how do we connect them with someone where they are going? How yeah. do we do that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. One one of the things that, you know, I think we as a culture um, stop have stopped understanding is this idea of fishers of men. Fishing today does not look like fishing back then, uh-huh. right? <laughs> fishing today is a very passive uh, uh, activity. You sit, you put your line out, you wait for something to nibble. And in a lot of ways, that's how our churches have started to treat college students mm-hmm. is we sit back, we have our sign out, we have our college class there. If they wanted it, they would show up. Mm-hmm. But instead, fishing back then was you got in a boat, you rowed out, you took nets, you threw them in, you pulled them back back into your boat, you mm-hmm. threw it again, and you kept doing it until you finally caught something. Like you, you went to the fish. As much as you possibly can, and as hard as you possibly could, to get as much as you could, and and as as fishers of men, we're called to pursue these college students, right? And that and that's a big part of it for sure. I'm interested
2: to know in <clears throat> trying to convince maybe churches to think about. Having a dedicated person uh, for a mm-hmm. campus ministry. Like, what do the what would a day in the life of a campus ministry, uh, the shoes of a campus ministry look if the like? Going, going,
0: what does that guy
1: do? <laughs> is he, he just having, having coffee that. on campus all day? What is that? <laughs> well, honestly, that's that's part of it. that's part of my. You just took like four hours of my day away from me right there. <laughs> coffee, no, got it. Coffee, okay. that's it. A big which coffee, is re- which is really hard because I don't drink coffee, but uh, <laughs> oh, no. I, I drink water while they you know they're enjoying their lattes, but. <laughs> But uh, no, there's there's a there's a certain amount of um, a, a lot of my day looks like you know waking up in the morning, meeting with staff uh, at the church building, talking about how we can integrate the youth ministry, the the preaching, the the um, our teachers, our education ministry for our, for our little kids. Um, how I, I'm a I'm a I'm an advocate. I'm a voice for the college students in those meetings, okay. saying how can we engage these young people into what we're already doing as a church family. Um, And so that's a a big part of my job is just advocating in meetings where they would normally get forgotten. Um, uh, A lot of it is it's tracking down these students. You know, it is getting coffee. You know, this morning I I sat down and I, you know, prayed and I thought about who are students I haven't talked to in a while and who I know are going through some transitions recently um, because I'm engaged with their life. So I know the transitions they're going with. And so, you know, you shoot some texts and you say, hey, let's get lunch this week. Hey, let's get coffee this week. Hey, can we go to Sonic sometime? Um, and sometimes they respond, sometimes they don't. That's the thing is when you have 150 students or, or more, uh, yeah, one may, one may not reply, but you know, two more might, you know, or, mm. or five may not reply, but you got the one, you know. <laughs> and and what we need to recognize is if that one person is reaching back and saying, yeah, I want I want to engage with an older, mature Christian, especially someone in my role who they they know I'm I'm the minister. Like they know I have an agenda, right? When I walk yeah. into this, when I walk into this right. uh, in time together, um, it means that they're searching for something, and 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 so I, I try to provide that. Mm. Um, organizing our Bible classes on Sunday morning, uh, a lot of that is coordinating with uh, teachers and trying to figure out um, how you know what what do students need during this time of their life, and and what kind of uh, lessons do they need to hear. Uh, I teach the freshman class personally myself, so I spend a lot of time getting ready for that. Um, And then one of our our best things that we just started is a thing called life groups. Uh, So life groups is basically, uh, I I got up in front of the congregation over Christmas break and I put out a challenge. I said, "Can um, can we engage with a group of three to five students for at least an hour once a week? That's all I'm asking is one hour. I was like, that's a, you know, that's a, a time in front of your TV is, mm-hmm. is all it's like sacrifice uh, an hour of news mm-hmm. an hour on your phone and engage with a young person and then we put out signups and and we got a good good amount of response I, I would say we probably have 50 60 students who who engaged with that um and so what I try to do is I try to follow up with our life group leaders after that uh, because they're they're the ones now spending an hour a week so I can't get to everybody I'm just one mm-hmm. person but that you know I've got Carl McCarty's uh, spending time every Wednesday with five five junior guys going through the wisdom lit, right? They're going through Proverbs and, and Psalms mm-hmm. and talking about it together. Uh, I've got a, a woman who meets with five young ladies, which is a big help for me as a single guy. You know, how do we engage with the, mm-hmm. the young women um, in, in this ministry? And so in a lot of ways, our women at Cloverdale have really stepped up and, and helped out with that. But this is a way that I can check in with them and see how are people doing does anyone need any, you know, engagement and special attention or special prayers at this time? Um, and things are going great yeah, so, so far. Empowering and equipping exactly. your your
2: membership to exactly. he, to help out a in great this way. way. To put it,
0: yeah, absolutely, yeah, very good. And that that that's such great advice. <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> it's that. exactly what yeah. I think every church needs to be considering because mm-hmm. it's it's a strangely underserved by the churches mm-hmm.
1: the college student. I like to call them the, the hot potato kind of. There's <laughs> there's a certain amount where uh, Harding thinks that the churches are are providing you know care and counseling, and um, especially in times of crisis, they're like, oh, the churches will will take care of these students, and then the churches are thinking, oh no, Harding's going to take care of them and mm-hmm. be there, and the professors mm-hmm. are going to engage with them when yeah. care and crisis and all that, mm-hmm. and so. Um, just keep getting passed back and forth and yeah. finally one of us needs to just grab on and, and do it you yeah. Know? yeah yeah Those, they deeply need it i mean Absolutely. if there's an if there's an age at which a
0: lot of uh, things are going to change about your life you Ooh, know, you're man. making all these huge decisions and you're meeting lots of people you may be meeting people that you may spend the rest of your life with like there's, there's so many things going on that's like if we're not reaching out and trying to give some wisdom and love and care to mm-hmm. these these students then we're missing a of people who desperately need that absolutely mm. and
1: and as well as like when i when i say crisis that's a that's a very specific term for me um you know this this age group goes through so much uh, when when kids go to college especially if they're the youngest um, that is the the prime time in their parents marriage when if if they if they've been thinking about getting divorced they're empty nesters now mm-hmm. that that is a high rate of divorce mm-hmm. is when the kids mm-hmm. go to college and so mm. now you've got kids who are hundreds of miles away from home, dealing with their family falling apart back there, and they're supposed to focus on finals,
2: mm.
1: right? They're supposed to focus on making friends, and they don't know if they have a home to go back to at Christmas time, mm. right? Uh, the suicide rate in this country, our suicide rate, the the um, suicide is the second leading cause of death for eighteen to twenty five year olds. Mm. Uh, you know that that is astounding, right? Yeah. And, and we, you know, you may not be equipped necessarily to handle that yourself, but there are those of us who are equipped. But we, we need to know that it's happening, right, that, that, that kids are, are going through these crises so that we can engage them. And that's only going to happen through relationship. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're going to fall through the cracks and, and they're going to go through these crises alone.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So it takes all those arms kind of reaching out and being points of contact for them. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So for a college student that's listening to this podcast, is there somewhere that uh, they could go to look to see how they can get plugged in, Um, whether they're a a Harding student or, or elsewhere? Is there kind of a... Uh, you know whether it's a website or social yeah. media, where where can students go to? Yeah, absolutely. To
1: so so in general, um, Harding has been trying to trying their best recently to to connect. Uh, I believe the office of church relations has a page on the Harding website that kind of tells service times and Bible class times and what each uh, church is doing. Um, if I'd thought about it, I would have had that uh, link ready to go for y'all, but I, we'll, I don't we'll remember. will it in the show
0: notes. Great,
1: yeah. awesome. Um, so that that in itself is important. Um, every church has a website or especially um, the ones who are trying to engage college students, a lot of them have an Instagram, right? I think they you know we have a campus ministry Instagram uh, ourselves. Uh, I know that downtown does as well um, in college the rock house does. Uh, and so just watching those and, and um, engaging in the opportunities that that get posted there is a big okay. one. And really, guys, there's there's no better way to get engaged than showing up on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Showing up on Sunday morning and, and going up to someone who's clearly a Cersei resident member and just saying, hey, this is my first time. I want to get involved. Right. And how do I get involved? And if they can't help you, they can at least connect you with the person yeah. who can. Good. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, Philip, the last thing we like to ask everybody, all of our yeah. guests so far, has been two things. Uh, what's a piece of scripture that has really kind of impacted you lately? And what's a maybe a book that you've read that's that's uh, impacted you lately?
1: Absolutely. And so um, the the scripture that has really just been on my mind uh, for the past you know year <laughs> really has been Second uh, Timothy one verse seven. For God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self control. And in, in so many ways over this past year, right? There's so much to fear. There's mm-hmm. so much to fear. Uh, yeah. The the pandemic, the politics, the the culture shifts, right? Um, it's just constant, and uh, and I think it's important to remember that as a church, we don't have a spirit of fear, right? We have a spirit of self control and of love. We're not we're not reactive. We're proactive um, as as a church, and that that's important. Um, the, the books that, that I'm reading, unfortunately, because I'm in grad school, I don't have a ton of time to, to read on my own, right? You, you, you sent me, yeah. me that text being like, what have you read? I was like, mm, biblical archaeology books? Like, do you really want to talk about that? Uh, hey, don't offend all the biblical archaeologists span No, no, no stuff offense, here. Dr. Manor. Like, Dr. I'm Manor's loving it. like, I love read these it personally. Books. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, since the pandemic started, um, I've been slowly, you know, trying. whenever I do have time to myself, uh, making my way through. Um, books such as um, there's one called "Hurting with God" uh, by a Glenn Pemberton, um, who uh, it goes through the lament psalms and specifically talks about how do we as Christians deal with hard times and how do we deal with the the problem of evil um, as as Christians and how do we engage God during those times. And, and after I finished that, I just picked up recently um, "Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering" by Tim Timothy Keller. Uh, and I'm only about two or three chapters in there, so don't ask me too many no. questions about that. <laughs> but uh, you know, it is—it's a time where, um, when when we see so much destruction, so much hurt in the world right now, um, that's so far out of our control and out of anyone's control, really. Um, you, you know, especially my young, my young guys, you know, in in the campus ministry, have started asking those questions, right? Like, where's God? Like, mm. what was the purpose behind this? Right? Does does God have a purpose for letting mm. this happen? You know, spending a lot of time in Job recently, you know, um, and, and wrestling with those with those questions right now. So awesome. Yeah. Well, Philip, uh, as we kind of wrap things up here, we'll just let everybody
0: know if you have any questions or comments, things you'd like to share with us. Uh, or something you'd like to ask Philip specifically, you can always send an email over to questions at wschurch dot net, and uh, we would love to pass those on to Philip or or read those here. But uh, let us know what you think of the podcast so far, and and share uh, any questions you might have for Philip. We'll get those to him. But
1: uh, Philip, thank you for being on the yes, show today. We thank appreciate you so guys. much. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate
0: mm-hmm. it. Yeah, we always close off by letting everybody know that we love you, and we hope you're having a
1: wonderful day. Love you guys. Bye. Perfect.